On another entry of Animation Deliberation, it is mid-season finale time. We are talking Young Justice Season 4, Episode 13, Yerb Um Treya, or Break My Heart. And we're getting right into that after some ads. We have no say over whatsoever. Some people are going to try and sell you some stuff, but don't go anywhere. Don't go breaking my heart. I couldn't if I tried. You're invited to take a vacation from everybody else's vacation to a place where you can explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and see a 65-foot waterfall that once powered an old mill that you can walk through today. Or just float along the cool, rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. See the places and plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. Sing along if you know the words. A one, two, three, it's time for animation, deliberation. A conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. All right, folks, welcome back to Animation Deliberation, the podcast that takes action animation and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. Uh, Today, we do have to take one thing very seriously. It is our 50th episode, I'm excited to say. I'm your host, Jay Scotty St. Clair, and I've got with me the dream team. I've got Zuhair Ali and returning guest. He's a returning guest, but he really is a a part of the team nowadays, uh, Mr. Andrew Rogers. Welcome back. Thank you so much. The honor's always mine. And Zuhair, welcome to you as well. Hello. 50 episodes, guys. 50 episodes. How are we feeling? 50 episodes in 10 months ain't bad. Yeah. I'm whelmed and feeling the aster, I gotta say. And I'm glad that we got to spend episode 50 on the midseason of an episode of Young Justice, which is the show that got the show started to begin with. So it's it's all tying together. Yeah. It's almost like we planned it. Almost. (laughs) Yeah. It's almost like it's fate. Ooh. (laughs) Are you a doctor, Zuhair? Not that I know of. (laughs) Not yet. The future remains yet unseen. Yet unseen. In addition to it being our 50th episode, as well as the mid-season finale of Young Justice, um, it is kind of the closing, well, not kind of, it is the closing of the year here. We are closing out 2021. This is going to be the last podcast uh, for animation deliberation in 2021. So with that in mind, we did put the prompt out there. Andrew, you've kind of been running the Instagram for us. So um, I'll kind of let you tell the people what prompts you've put out there and and what kind of responses we've already got. But we will be doing kind of our best of 2021 and looking forward to 2022 episode. Um, That'll be our first episode of 2022. Yeah, uh, the Instagram has been a lot of fun to kind of get up and going and get interacting with all of you guys. Uh, we put out the questions that Jay Scotty and Zuhair asked at the end of last week's episode. Uh, we're asking for your favorite animated content of 2021, the best animated moment of 2021, the most anticipated uh, animated thing you're looking forward to in 2022. And then I also threw up the old question of what is your anime Mount Rushmore? What are the four shows that you put at the top that everyone is all about um, if you go onto our Instagram animation deliberation and go to the story highlights, you can actually type right in the box on there and give us a response and it shows up and I can total them. Or you can always do the good old reliable and email into animation deliberation podcast at gmail.com with your responses and we'll have them and hopefully be able to 
kind of tell you guys what you're thinking, what our thoughts are, because I know I have my answers to these questions and I want to know Jay Scotty and Zuhair's answers uh, come the start of 2022 to get get us all excited about everything. And uh, also don't feel pigeonholed to the pictures that I put on the Instagram. I threw (laughs) out some, hey, here's stuff coming in 2022, but I can't fit 30 pictures. So don't (laughs) feel like you have to make one of those your answer by any means. Do it for the grand people. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, that's that's uh, really good stuff. And I definitely appreciate the effort there. It's been awesome to get just more engagement and more participation in the show and, and getting people's voice out there. And honestly, we wouldn't have made it 50 episodes if it, wasn't, if it wasn't for all you listeners, just the motivation and all the reviews and all the feedback you've given us. So uh, thank you. Thank you very much. All right. On the subject of feedback, we do have a couple of pieces that we're going to tackle before we let Mr. Andrew Rogers kind of give us a recap on last week's episode, and then we'll do our segment with the ranking, ranking your thoughts on the episode by your, the volume of your, yeah. So <laughs> Zuhair, what do you got for us? Uh, first one from good old TJ Stafford. Who were those heroes that showed up in the North Pole? I'm assuming there are more legionaries sent to combat the still unknown threat somehow tied to all this. I didn't recognize either of them, but the portal looked like a blue beetle. Interesting. I love that Tracy, the goofies of the Sentinels, was the one that figured out how to destroy Flaw. Using her bad luck powers to go after the crack in the chest was great. That was one of Zatanna's critiques of Tracy in the first episode of the arc, that she relies too much on her luck powers, so it's interesting that that's what takes it down. It seems we were partially correct about who was going to wear the helmet. I love the idea of sharing the helmet. It's such an elegant but simple solution that I'm seriously surprised no one thought of before now. Mary. Oh dear Mary. What are we going (laughs) to do with you? I got a bad vibe from her this whole arc, and we have not seen the last of her. I had the closed captions on for the episode, and they told me it was Granny Goodness's voice, otherwise I may not have recognized it. Is Mary going to become the latest of the female Furies? Sure seems to be headed that way. Also, did you guys notice a sign that was behind Mary during the end credit scene? It was an out-of-order sign, which I love since she was taken out of the running to be a Lord of Order. Now on to the elephant in the room, Connor's ghost. What's up with that? What is it about his specific death that would have led to his spirit being trapped in that place? And what is that place? Is this not going to end with him coming back? I need to know. Not looking forward to the long hiatus, but I've enjoyed watching along with you guys. Thanks for making the show even more enjoyable. TJ Stafford. Right on, right on. Yeah, TJ has been one of our most stalwart listeners and uh, most consistent providers of feedback. So definitely some really good points there. I, I will say he caught on to some things, especially with Mary, that I did not. I always listen with the subtitles on, but I don't think my closed captioning told me that that voice was granny goodness. Um, so great catch there. And then I don't know who I've heard the title of the female furies bandied about a bit, but I don't know off the top of my head who they are. I imagine yeah. it has to do something with Kirby and his fourth world though. Yeah. I've never heard that title mm. before. <laughs> yeah. I know Kirby's fourth world was a big inspiration for this. They actually had it like listed in the credits at the end of Jack right. Kirby and fourth world. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I think it's honestly worth a read at this point because it seems like they're taking so much from it, but I have no idea specifically anything about that either. 
Yeah. Um, the other part of his feedback that stood out to me is the blue scarab that appeared when we did have that group of heroes appear at the North Pole. My mind immediately went to Blue Beetle as well. But then we got two heroes, um, one that I don't remember quite as well. I think she had kind of a blue and white hair color scheme going on. But then the other one was obviously very evocative of like Egyptian imagery or what have you. And um, I couldn't help but be reminded, Andrew, I don't know if you've seen the most recent My Hero Academia uh, movie world zero mission but yeah you had that, that 2d pharaoh running around with some of the heroes and that's where my mind <laughs> that too <laughs> that too cracks me up yeah uh, uh, but i guess actually that kind of ties into what um before i knew what tj provided there with it being granny goodness somewhere in the back of my mind i thought for a second what if it was queen b um, not that she sounded super like her, but just that thought of being super manipulative and looking for someone that's power hungry like that. I could see Queen Bee wanting to use her power of control over somebody so power hungry like that. It just seems kind of um, fitting to me. But it seems like it's probably Granny Goodness. So. Yeah, I know my closed captions did tell me it was Granny Goodness. Oh, and okay. I, I had no idea. I was wondering if it had something to do, harkening back to last season, of the good goggles did she somehow get into the minds of some of these superheroes a little Ooh. bit to be able to have her talons in the same way she tried to with garfield and it failed you know did she actually get a hold on mary because she was probably younger at that yeah. point so that was where i was going of hmm, i wonder if this is how granny goodness is kind of going about things still in the background very well could be. I like that. That would be interesting if the good goggles had more of a lasting impact than we initially thought. That'd be good. That'd be good. Yeah, she probably would have been about 14, 15. Yeah, because what, what is she so. supposed to be like? I guess she's probably around the same age if Tracy's 18, right? Yeah. 17. 18, I, I think I guess, we determined yeah. her birth year was 2020 yeah. or 20 or 2000. I think we said, geez, it's that 2020 now. I think okay. that's what we determined. So around <laughs> assuming it's the same year now. Uh, okay, so then Tracy's probably the youngest, and then Mary, and then Khalid seems like he's probably at least a few years older since he's been somewhat through medical school. But Yes. Okay, cool. All right, and then as I understand, we have another piece of feedback from our illustrious guest host from last week, Haley Hobbs. What she got to say? Yeah, one of the hosts of Source Pages. Damn it, Garfield, come on. Pretty much how I felt after the scene with Perdita. Now he's truly alone. I'm really bummed also about what's happened to Mary. She took the path of most resistance, unfortunately, which we were afraid would happen. Interesting choice about sharing the helmet of fate, as that's different from what we as an audience have come to expect. Thoughts about how this might backfire or not? Keep up the great work, fellas. I hadn't really considered any of any of the ways that it might backfire, but that's a wonderful, not, not wonderfully positive, but just wonderfully insightful thought from Haley. I was just kind of um, excited that they came up with a solution that would allow Zatanna and Zatara to have some relationship. And it was cool to see Khalid step up in such a big way. But um, in terms of the potential backfire, I mean, we have to bring up the fact of, of the way Khalid called Zat Zatanna out like that. And Hey, did you take on proteges for the express purpose mm -hmm. of one day liberating your dad? And she never answers. She just goes to Tracy and like, Tracy, this is your decision. If you're cool with it, and she's like, oh, I'm totally on board. And then you just see Khalid's eyes kind of narrow 
but they don't say anything past that. So I imagine that's going to be, if there's going to be any backfiring, um, that's certainly an avenue for it. If Tracy gets in over her head, Khalid's definitely going to have a problem with Zatanna in that instance. And then what we just discussed with Mary, that obviously set Mary off on a very dark course. So if she were to get her hands on the helmet of fate, you know, um, Zatanna mentioned how they're too much alike. Like he's power hungry as well. And she's too much like Nebu himself. Like that's why Nebu needs a host that can kind of counterbalance him and and actually provide that order. If she were to get her hands on the helmet, it, it would definitely spell some bad things. Yeah. And I also think there's the opportunity that Khalid just doesn't take the helmet off at some point that he says, you know, you are all, I don't want to say not worthy of it, but the fact that Zatanna's manipulated him toward it, Zatara's just getting old, is he going to say, you know what, I can do this better than the rest of you, I am going to just keep the helmet on, because we know in comics from some of the feedback that we got that he has been fate for some time, and I think we were kind of expecting it to go that way, is it going to be more of a, I can't trust anyone else besides myself to do this kind of a turn as to why he is our new uh, Dr. Fate? Hmm. And he went out of his way to talk about like the oath that he took as a doctor as well. So, you know, I've been very critical of Dr. Fate sure. this season, just saying like, why aren't you doing anything? So maybe that might be uh, Nabu and Khalid's reason to just not get involved at all. Where, you know, he was, he was really questioning like, so she's not really a person, right? It's like, nope. Yeah, go at it. Just <laughs> He's the only one to question that though. That's um, a very yeah. good point to bring up. Yeah, that was a creepy visual too. It's like the skin, then the muscles, and the brain, and then the yeah, the, ah, it was weird. It was super cool. <laughs> I loved it, but it was weird. Uh, so yeah, I, you know that it, it added to why Khaled seems to be the best person to hold the mantle. Uh, it may get to the point where he just keeps it for himself, um, but who knows? It, it definitely was an interesting solution to to have them just. Yeah. The hot it, potato it's actually kind of i kind of forgot that we made that call until you just brought up the hot potato again we kind of called that yeah sweet yeah that was <laughs> yeah yeah and yes. then i think the other piece of the big piece of her feedback is you know garfield Haley made the the again she's full of insightful points but she kind of made me eat my words when i was expressing a little bit of frustration with how long it's taken um to get this story from gar but man this week I've been saying how tough it is to watch, but actually to see someone that cares so much about him do everything, say, Hey, like you need help. I will help you. I I will help you find help if you don't want help from me. But I just can't stand here and watch you self-destruct. And he was just being such a douche canoe to Perdita was like, like she flew 9,000 kilometers to come, I, I'm pulling. I don't know if it was more than nine. Was it nine hundred thousand? Nine thousand? I, I think it was nine thousand kilometers. I think okay. you were right on the nose. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not good with distances, especially when it comes to the metric system. <laughs> um, yeah, and then he's just like, "I didn't ask you to do that. I wanted to like reach through my screen and backhand the boy." And I and he's one of my favorite characters. Were we questioning yes. if they were still together before he went to Mars? Because it was a lot of like him just looking yeah. on his phone and seeing was what it, she was like. I think it might have been not. back in season three. Maybe it was earlier on in season four where there was like a post credit scene that like, I can't remember if it was like voicemails between them or something. Right. It was episode two, okay. I believe, was the voicemails between the two of them. And that's when 
because uh, unfortunately Jay Scotty was on the javelin, I remember. So it was oh, Zuhair right. and I <laughs> asking the question of whether or not they were together. Okay, um, right, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he that was when he started one. being a douche canoe because they were on the way to the wedding mm-hmm. and he was just mm-hmm. sitting on the boat being yeah. loopy. One cool detail that I noticed is you remember from season one, uh, Perdita was getting the heart transplant. She was wearing a top low enough that you could see the scar from her heart surgery. I yeah, was like, I noticed that detail wow. as well, and I appreciated it. But I did think it was probably the most like clean, open heart surgery line there is, and, and they have access to technology that we don't have here. So I guess that stands to reason. I was like, it's a very clean scar. <laughs> it's also ten years ago, though. That's true, the other true that, true that weird thing we forget. Yeah. And they live in a world with very basic shading. That <laughs> too. That too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, okay. I think that will cover it for Haley's feedback, unless you guys had anything else you wanted to say. No, I think we knocked out all the Garfield stuff too. Right on, right on. So in that case, we will allow Andrew to give some of his feedback on the previous episode, and that will kind of serve as our recap as we transition into this this latest episode. Yeah, so last episode I had a couple thoughts that I did not have time to get pen to paper on to send to you guys because I got the text that you were recording with Haley as I was about to write the feedback, so I completely oh. forgot about it. I was like, <laughs> oh, we're out of time. That's fine. Uh, but Slowpoke. yeah, on the topic of the simple shading, I did want to bring up the fact that in those flashback scenes that we had in that last episode, you really got to see the growth of the art style from the scenes in 2010, where you had the young, uh, Superboy and Superman together all the way up to now, you almost saw a transition of the lines getting a little bit thicker and sharper. And the way that they were drawing characters, they became a little bit more muscular and a little bit more cleanly defined. It's really nice to be able to see the way that they grew. And I just kind of wanted to call attention to that. And then I had a couple of questions to throw both at you guys, because I know I threw one at Zuhair and he had no idea. So also to our listeners to kind of get some thoughts. Uh, The first major question I had is what in the world is the significance of the number 16? In episode 12, they were on Garfield's set, and it was, and I might get these numbers wrong, it was episode 516, season 16, take 16, season 16, or scene 16. And I was like, that's a little weird. And then I noticed later in the episode, when Kent showed up to talk to uh, Zatara, Mm -hmm. that he was in hotel room 1616. Interesting. Okay. So th- there's something there, there has to be something going on. I feel like that couldn't have been an accident. His but, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I no, noticed in this ahead. episode the poster in his room that says um what's the name of his show? It's not Star Trek, but it's some Space Trek. Space Trek. Space Trek 2016. And I, I hadn't noticed any of the other sixteens you mentioned, but I did notice that sixteen this time around. So that is I don't know what it stands for, but that's it's gotta be something. Uh yeah, hmm. I mean, we know this show has its little ciphers. Um, I'll mm-hmm. throw my hat in the ring in a little bit with my invitation to K Hangman. Ooh, yes, 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 yes. Um, <laughs> but no, I wanted to throw that out there in case there was some comic that came up that people knew about. If anyone has the thoughts and feedback that they could give, I really want to know yeah, because yeah. this is digging deep into me. And then the other thing that I wanted to talk about was the bus scene. I know you guys talked a little bit about how that scene went on too long of Clarion traveling through time. But there were two things that jumped out at me. Uh, One, there was a scene where it said Earth, or not Earth one year in the future, but one year in the future. And that was the scene where he flew across Apocalypse. Yes. So do we think Apocalypse is coming next season? 
what what is that alluding to? Because this show, I mean, they put a bus in season one that they've brought back in season four. They don't put things in on accident. So where is that coming? What is that about? But then on the flip side, Earth one year prior, the Legion of Superheroes was already on Earth in the one year prior scene. That was when he drove through. It was also a fun Easter egg in front of the diner where they were having coffee, where we saw the Legion of Superheroes ring that first time. So right. why has the Legion been on Earth for so long? And why are we just seeing them now? Because I assumed they showed up on Mars via their t- time machine. What, why did they show up a year ago? What, what was that about? All, all very good really questions. Good at being sneaky. <laughs> I mean, they're not good at being sneaky. They were there was a bug man in the street that pulled a woman out from in front of a bus. I don't know if that's that sneaky. Have you looked at the other things going on in this world? It's not the weirdest thing. <laughs> it's like it's like in Dragon Ball Z, where it's like the fact that uh, the mayor is a dog doesn't bother them, but Piccolo being green throws everyone off. Like, where is the line? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and we also have the subtitle of Phantoms and. You know, I've been historically wrong about what the subtitles actually represent. And going into the season, I I imagine it had to do something with these time travelers. And and, and if you want to, you know, um, grasp at straws or make connections where they may not be, I still kind of maintain the fact that they're time travelers and can only maybe interact and intervene at very specific points in time. That kind of makes them fam- phantoms in a way. They're kind of there, but not there and only able to interact with the tangible world in certain ways. But then obviously with the, some, some of the revelations we get at the end of this episode, I think there's more to extrapolate with the terminology of phantom there. But And that's a lot of what we talked about beforehand with uh, phantoms leading towards Superboy and Jason Todd. Oh, right, right, right. If there was thoughts of like bringing them back or how they came back or talking about like that space between our world and the world beyond i guess yeah whatever you want to call it works for me yeah the i i think i have a name for that that i just had an epiphany on okay what you got uh well there's a very noted place if you've seen i know it from the lego batman movie to start uh the phantom zone oh yeah right i I, (laughs) if you none of the listeners can see me but you guys probably just watch me like go like this i did a little head explosion with my hands and jotted that down to talk about later that's probably uh (laughs) If we want to start getting into the meat of the episode, where that little flashback happened, that the bus passed through the Phantom Zone, hence why it's called Young Justice Phantoms. Phantoms. I don't know why I didn't think of that until literally just this moment. We're all having a Hello Megan moment right now, so it's it's all good. (laughs) That's it. So you think our time travelers just kind of like put Superboy in the Phantom Zone to prevent him from dying, but they don't know how to put him back yet? Yeah, that's... Yeah, because he kind of looked like, um, as much as Zatanna was saying that it was his ghost or his spirit, it kind of looked like me, like, to me, like, his flesh had kind of been stripped away and he looked more like, um, I'm going to blank on, what what are the names of his species? Um, Kryptonians? Kryptonians? What? Not Kryptonians, but he's got the, his brother, Double X. Oh, the Krolatans. Is it, the Krolatans oh. were the, I thought Krolatans Xenomorphs? were the, Xenomorphs, yeah, because okay. Krolotans were the aliens that the Reach were battling. Oh, or, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Xenomorphs, yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Oh, wait, the Xenomorphs is from Alien. <laughs> what is it? It's something Morphs. Genomorphs. Genomorphs. Yeah, okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> wait! <laughs> well, I'm just 
just going to put on the Instagram a picture of every one of those things until yes. we get there. I love it. <laughs> I got my big, like, Marvel encyclopedia from all the comics and stuff. I kind of need one for Young Justice now because yeah. there's too many species and characters and <laughs> uh, freaking Easter eggs for me to not have one. Yeah. Yeah. That was um, too funny. Yeah. All that being said, he kind of looked like he had reverted to somewhat of his like base uh, genomorph form there to me, but he could just be a ghost. Who knows? Yeah. Well, I did notice he had like three gashes in his chest. Me too. And yeah. I don't know why a ghost would have wounds, so to speak. True. So I, d- I agree. There is almost a physical form to uh, what was going on there. Yeah. Not to deviate too much, but Clayon with that big ass hole in his chest and he was like i kind of like this look and the cat just sitting i'm all warm and fuzzy inside i was like "Ah." (laughs) yeah i was gonna say it looked like there was a little bit of the blood had transferred into tickle's claws too and it's just like yeah just chilling in like i know they chase i know it's rated r now but (laughs) wow they're really having fun with like insides yeah speaking of uh gaping chest cavities we've already kind of gotten into the meat of the episode uh, but I do want to kind of do that that segment where we we offer our impressions. Um, so to each of you, I, I pose the question on a scale of yeah to yeah. What did you think of the midseason finale? I'm going to give it a, a yeah. Okay. It's, it's up there. Um, I don't like the words midseason finale because this okay. wasn't a finale. This wasn't some like grand outing in my opinion sure. just as an episode it was really good if it was a finale i might feel a little bit more like eh, we didn't get enough of the like big massive finale thing so i just sure. if i look at it as a break i'm very happy with the episode but i had a buddy that texted me and was like that's it i'm like it's Aww. not really a finale it's only it's only half you know sure. we're getting more so if you don't look at it as a finale i'm very high on this episode i thought it was fantastic yeah totally fair uh, I'm going to throw in a Letterkenny reference for this. If you know, you know. Yeah. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Uh, there was a lot of excitement towards it. There was a lot of cool stuff that happened, but I t- there was a lot of stuff that just confused me, too, okay. uh, which I don't know if there's just stuff that I missed that you guys could enlighten me on or if it was something that they're just going to be pushing on in the future. Uh, one of the things that we just talked about was her seeing Superboy, because I guess I didn't really think of this Phantom Zone being a, some of a time or like, you know, a, a space where, you know, time and reality doesn't matter. Like one of those voids sure. that the school bus was traveling through, which is why it would probably see Superboy at some point. Um, but the other thing being, they put a lot of emphasis on Zatanna having something to do with chaos coming through like the child participating and then the conversation of vandal savage like how is he causing chaos but being the reason that they sent another lord of chaos maybe he wasn't the factor and it was zatanna yeah because they were going really heavy into the 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 anti-laugh (laughs) anti-laugh anti-life equation no laughing um okay i'll try no problem (laughs) um and you guys failed (laughs) so they went heavy onto that which just leaves me to believe that it's kind of a hint that you know andrew mentioned possibly next season seeing apocalypse i think it might be the second half of this season and of course they'll give us a cliffhanger on that to bounce off of another two-year gap true um 
Yeah. Um, so it's just a lot of questions. Like, I don't know if that was just like a really hard, like look over here diversion when it really was like Zatanna's intent that caused all this to happen. But I, I feel like they just didn't go into it as much as they thought. And that was the only thing that, that added the question mark to my, to my excitement of, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. That's where the majority of my confusion comes from as well. And at this point in time, I'm I'm leaning more towards what you were kind of postulating there, that it was a little bit of misdirection while what the Phantom Stranger was saying certainly applied to Zatanna and Zatara's situation. Um, it, what was it? It was uh, the inciting incident wasn't, it was caused by a mortal, but it wasn't even an act of chaos or order. It was a mere contemplation of love. So as much as that does apply again to Zatanna's situation there, I have to imagine it predates every everything we've seen even um maybe vandal savage so i took that comment and i watched through that scene specifically a couple times i took that totally differently than i think both of you are okay cool let's hear it so i took all of the vandal savage stuff to be face value what you guys were talking about a little bit of back and forth about the anti-life and everything but that converse or the comment from the phantom stranger about zatara and zatanna was him because he was specifically in that moment speaking to Nabu and uh, Khalid as um, Dr. Fate. Right. I took it to say he was not talking to the events of the arc as a whole, but instead saying you were freed from or Zatara was freed from his oath based on not the events that were just caused, not all of this stuff with the child and chaos and order, you were freed from your oath with Dr. Fate by your daughter loving you. And that's why they flash back to that scene very early on where she said, you guys are some of my best students. And it was that moment of her thinking, maybe they can take over and I can kind of have this rotating helm. So I took it a bit more as he was speaking specifically to the rotating helm as the not being caused by ordering chaos. Okay. And that everything else is still caused by order and chaos. That was my rationale of trying to kind of logic out because I have no idea how you could even begin to say that her love for her father is the reason that child came to earth. I don't really get that part. Yeah. <laughs> um, because that's initially how I took it. And then as I thought a little bit more about it, that's what I was thinking maybe was what he was referring to because he was no longer narrating. He was specifically speaking to Dr. Fate and khalid in that moment yeah you, you you could be right on the money the one thing that kind of makes me move away from that a little bit is the fact that dr fate's response to him was like i'm i'm not going to thank vandal savage for cleaning up his own mess but I, that that being said it could still just be speaking directly to this arc i was just kind of thinking that he was talking more about the conflict of chaos and order and earth being the front for that battle more so, but it, it, it could be exactly what you said. Maybe we're just um, looking a little too deep. I don't know. <laughs> it could be. Yeah. Maybe the love could be from Nabu and his father, Vandal Savage. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the way he Andrew, treats his children <laughs> is not good enough for me. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. 
Okay. So uh, again, we have already kind of gotten into the nitty gritty of the episode and, and covered quite a bit of it, but I do think it's always worth kind of talking about the A, B, C and, and storylines we got there. So obviously we've been talking a lot about Zatanna, Dr. Fate, and the, uh, excuse me, the Sentinels of Magic, their ongoing battle with Child that uh, coming to a conclusion when they team up with Clarion. Uh, but then on the other side of that fight, we do have Vandal Savage's appeal with the Phantom Stranger being present uh, to the Lords of Chaos and Order. And then we've got the Garfield and Perdita storyline there. So um, we have discussed how we had for the majority of this arc kind of a rotating narrator. And through large portions of it, we obviously did not. But it was kind of nice that the Phantom Stranger started things off and he returned as a bit of a pseudo narrator for the beginning and the ending of the episode there. You know, I thought about that, too. It's like finish off where you started. But I also thought about the fact that since he's only talking about modern time, he's the only one that actually saw everything, too, Mm -hmm. because he was there during the appeal. He was, I'm sure, watching from afar uh, as the battle took place. So I think he was the only one that was actually able to tell the story because he was the only one that was there to witness everything. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And there were a couple of times where I kind of questioned his allegiance just in like the way he was talking. It was almost like he and we talked about it before. He doesn't really necessarily have a vested interest over good versus evil or the Justice League versus the light. He seems like he very much is kind of another agent of just keeping the balance between chaos and order, just making sure all of reality doesn't get wiped out. So yeah, him and Owatu are just having a beer in their free time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> For exactly. sure. I was wondering, is he actually some sort of proxy to order and chaos? Because the whole way that he was able to bring Vandal Savage to the mystery crystal room and then that order and chaos were speaking through him with the amazing visuals of the crystals in each eye. Yeah. Uh, cool. I yeah. need to throw out there. That was awesome. But yeah. like, is that part of his role in this world is to basically be a vessel for them to contact with? Cause like, how did the phantom stranger know where to take Vandal? Yeah, I, I, I think that you're right on the money there. I think he is a, a conduit and just kind of does their bidding as much as like Dr. Fate is that for the Lords of order. Again, he kind of sits in between and then obviously we have Clarion or child acting as that for the Lords of chaos. So yeah, phantom phantom stranger kind of sits there um, in the middle. And yeah, um, you talk about the visualization that happened there with the eyes and stuff. Uh, but the other thing that kind of stood out to me is the fact that they, chose to tell that entire part of the story vandal's appeal through like still image still imagery i mean it wasn't completely static we had you know effects going on and whatnot but you never saw any lips move or any like heads actually turn it was all done through kind of like fading transitions and whatnot and while i found it effective i did question it a little bit i mean obviously the show has a very high production value but they have to save the budget where they can but I feel like this was done with the intent of just like kind of knowing that they could not really do justice to the just the ethereal nature of something or like beings like the Lords of Chaos and Order that this is the only way you could really, uh, I guess, a- achieve that kind of effect that you wouldn't be able to like audibly hear them. Or if you did, it would not be like anything we've ever experienced on this physical or tangible plane, if that makes sense at all. I mean, I think it was just a matter of consistency because every story that we've gone has been across that realm. 
because the narrator is talking about the dis- the birth and destruction of Atlantis sure. and this human getting powers and making deals with chaos and um yeah I, I mean every narrator has had to tell that story in a picture storybook type of way sure. so I think I'd be worried if they actually broke off of that for the last episode I think it was a matter of like all right what's the storyteller doing let's stay consistent with what we've done this whole time. I think that's that's fair, and and you're right about that. The only thing that made me think differently was the fact that those were all flashbacks where this was supposed to be happening in real time. And like the main thing that made me stick out is when the Phantom Stranger turned to Vandal Savage and he said, "Any any tragedy that has happened here is of your own doing." And that's when you saw like his head turn from one place to the other, and it was just done through that subtle transition. But um, you're right; the consistency is there. It's not the first time we've seen this. Um, effect used for for storytelling so yeah it might just be that yeah and and i think for that reason i was not as let down necessarily as you were jay scotty i now that you bring it up i'm like yeah i i guess it was a good call to not try and do these you know large larger than life beings of orders and chaos like that but i felt a kind of homey feeling of the storybook nature as zuhair was saying of it felt like you were flipping through the pages of the story so it wasn't as wasn't as much of a letdown it was very nice and like okay how is this going to play out let's turn the page that's what it felt like every time you were getting one of those transitions for sure and we've watched the crystals move and interact and come down to earth and light up and stuff like that before so it's not like it's not like we were like robbed of seeing how they work yeah I think they're just holding like the full extent of it. Yeah, I, I didn't. Feel Which it. also adds the fact, like, um, like when they were talking about each other and like what causes chaos and stuff like that. Like, it was only the chaos stuff that like had stuff. Like they would show Vandal Savage and they showed Dark Side, right. and then they showed Earth, but then immediately like turned Dark Side into Apocalypse, and like Earth was apparently like the balance of order. Mm-hmm. But it's like, do do we really not have like one individual or one face or one like? product of order that is keeping this balance or is it really just like we can't make up our mind just this whole plan to figure it out (laughs) well and i think that goes back to the conversation that we can circle around again and again from the early episodes of this arc of what is order without chaos and vice versa that you know really the reason that the chaos lords are sending clarion is to cause chaos they don't really have a cause order. They just have a, hey, maybe we'll imbue Nabu with powers and say, hey, can you help us fix this for right now? That's how he's only interacting when chaos starts to come out. That's why he's saying, no, I'm going to sit in my tower the whole time. So I think that's part of why, how do you show order? Because order is supposed to be normal in quotes. True, true. That's my thoughts. Yeah, and and when we had all that language about like, yeah, you can't have chaos without order or light without darkness, I immediately thought of the main villain of this entire series has been the light. So what does that make our team? The darkness? That's an interesting... Yeah, I mean, because Vandal Savage does things to help Earth. Is he necessarily always chaos and evil? Like, he went to the gods to try and fend off child like i would argue that's order like he's trying to do what's best agreed so yeah yeah 
it's it's funny to have like all of this like backstory and context for Vandal Savage now. I think back in season one, like where one of his biggest like forays was when he battled uh, Kid Flash Wally West when he was racing to bring the heart um, for Perdita of all people. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of kind of funny to realize what such a huge impact and how his game is, is such, such a long game that that was just the tiniest little drop of sand in the hourglass. That is his life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And uh, before we transition too far off of this uh, on the topic of the phantom stranger, I did have one other thing I wanted to say. Uh, DB Woodside is the voice actor. That was the phantom stranger. I think he did a phenomenal job of bringing this, gravitas of the narrator similar to what we got out of uh Owatu. i think he did a fantastic job and he's been in other great things and i'm kind of hoping we get more of the phantom stranger just because he was a really fun narratable character i guess is the way i would phrase it like i want little just pop-ins of him to narrate things and then kind of keep going yeah yeah but no, I, I wanted to bring that up because he did a he did a notably good job that I took. I wanted to look up who it was. Yeah, I kind of I'm glad you did. And I kind of wish that I had because he did. He rivaled um, Kevin Michael Richardson for that. Just that booming bass to his voice, but also having a little bit of like graveliness there. That it's just like completely full body. Yeah, it's it's a very captivating voice. So a great call out there and hopefully this is not the last we've seen of phantom stranger because he's just a, a fascinating character and yeah a uh, great performance from what was his name one more time uh it's db woodside, DB woodside. uh anyone okay. who is familiar with the lucifer tv show he was actually a menadeal on that show oh okay. yes okay. i, I kind of recognize the voice he's not only has the voice but he has the body and prowess to go with it he is okay. a very he is a very handsome yeah, he, man there's nice. no he doubt pull about off that. a live action no problem oh yeah no he he actually matches up very well to the phantom stranger just in the way that he looks so okay. if they ever needed a live action look no further i think <laughs> and he's clearly very loyal to dc so good one to have in the uh the repertoire there i hope so yeah okay um I guess uh, other big call-outs regarding Dr. Fate and the ongoing battle with the Sentinels of Magic there is the bus driver mentioned a couple of times that his connection to Dr. Fate was to the Justice Society. So I have to imagine that's going to be coming back in some kind of way because uh, anybody that knows anything about the history of the DC Universe before the Justice League, there was the Justice Society whose uh, ranks I know included um, Dr. Fate, um, Our Man, Stargirl was amongst their numbers, the original Green Lantern, Alan, uh, what was his name? Alan, Alan Scott, Alan Scott, there it is. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Yeah. so. I think that was actually a really cool nod uh, because it actually made me look it up. Dr. Fate, and now that I think about it, he was not a part of the Justice League until they unearthed his helmet and Zatara put it on. Right. So the first or the first and then last time that we see the bus driver was uh, early on in that first season, meaning that they hadn't found the helmet yet. So Dr. Fate was not brought back to life. So really him saying that was just like, oh, I'm still from the past. So can we send me back there? Because I don't know that this guy's a part of the Justice League because I'm 12 years in the future right now. Exactly. So 
the founding members of the Just Society of America from 1940 to 1951 was Jay Garrick's Flash, okay. Alan Scott's Green Lantern, Adam, Kent Nelson's Dr. Fate, Wesley Dodd's Sandman, and Our Man. And Red Tornado was a part of it at one point. Okay, there we go. And this is Young Justice specific. Oh, to the Just Young Justice wiki? Okay, yeah. interesting. Okay, Because I remember in season one, there actually was points where they were talking about um, uh, Dr. Fate being part of it and Kelt Nelson being a part of the Justice Society. So this isn't the first time they mentioned okay. it. And on the wiki, they have the picture of all of them together, like shaking hands, welcoming Red Tornado. Oh, okay. Okay. Very good. Is that the beetle in there? There too? was a flashback scene, I feel like somewhere in the season, that we actually saw the Justice Society together. Yeah, I it, remember season one, not this one. I could be mistaken because I've watched some other DC animated stuff recently, so it might have been in something else, but I could have swore I, I saw a very distinct image of them all together uh, I, I don't with think Dr. You're wrong. Fate in the front. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I, I kind of recall that as well. Sorry, I gave you so much DC content at once that you're mixing them up now. <laughs> I will never complain. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other one, the other the other call out I've got here for when Doctor Fate kind of begrudgingly accepts the fact that they're going to have to team up with Clarion. It's it's pretty ju- juvenile, but we got Clarion calling him Nabubi. Got a chuckle out of me. Oh yeah, I love that one. <laughs> Clarion's quotes this week were I like- great. Yeah, <laughs> I face palmed and laughed so hard at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, it got a laugh out of me. Hmm. I suppose on a less funny note, but well, it's it's still kind of funny. But so there were a lot of this fight with the Sentinels of Magic uh, being led by Zatanna. A lot of that took place in the rain before it turned into fire rain. So I was definitely thinking of you guys when we got Zatanna with the wet hair coming down and why i wasn't gonna bring it up <laughs> i wasn't gonna bring it up uh, okay well i had my thoughts i wasn't gonna bring it up to. did you though I, yes I yes he did now i've lost all focus i'm just replaying that scene in my head <laughs> at the same time i have very conflicting feelings about uh zatanna after this arc i don't know okay yeah that just that the fact that she would not answer Khalid when he asked if this was her goal from the start that she was like arguably manipulating them I don't, I don't know you how know, you trust her that, going forward that line made her the most of like herself in season one that she's been in a while hmm. because like she was sneaking away from her dad and she was trying to join the team and she, like she could tell she was a troublemaker right she was very like like she had her own agenda for herself sure. and this just got, like she's been in a leadership role for so long and now she's you know so high up uh in the sorceress aspects and now this kind of like it it really goes back to like how we first met her of like what does she have going on because she does she really does do things for herself she's a great person that loves her family and her team but like They've emphasized this scenario over the seasons. Like they they take the time out to talk about how much this is still hurting her. So the fact that she has her own agenda was like, this really is within her character. Oh yeah, it's just 
you don't want to see flaws until they're right there in front of you because this immediately brought me back to the line i think in the second episode of the arc where she looked at khalid and kind of gave when he said i'm not a doctor and she said not yet and gave him that smirk right it goes from Mm -hmm. a playful oh you'll be a doctor someday to a vindictive i have plans for you and that i don't know how much i like that context all of a sudden when you look back at those little things like that it's it's very weird but i kind of like that we didn't see it coming that none of us thought oh she's going to be behind it it's just oh no they're teasing us that he'll be dr fate no no she had other stuff going on behind the scenes so yeah yeah it's really tough for me to resist the urge to not segue when you bring up not wanting to see flaws to start to talk about flaw um, but I, I will, left it open. Do it. <laughs> I, I will fight the urge just because I wanted to bring up one thing. We, we talk about how difficult it is going to be for Khalid to trust her going forward. And Mary, I think Tracy's okay for now. And hopefully that trust doesn't get betrayed. But one person that obviously does trust her now is Dr. Fate. And it even says as much like we trust her judgment. She's proven herself time and time again. So when she comes up with this solution and excludes Mary from it, he doesn't question her at all. So as uh, as much as I agree with what you're saying about questioning some of her altruism a little bit now, it is nice to see some development from Dr. Fate in that arena. And I do like that Dr. Fate says, is like, I'm convinced you have to convince somebody else and just takes the helmet off right away. Yeah. And what is what are the wor- first words out of his mouth? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the most father. Like you were protecting 14-year-old me. I'm 24 now. It's like, thanks for the age confirmation. Yeah. Never could say no to his little girl. Well, is it my faith and the love of my daughter is the only thing that got me through this long night? Oh, yeah, that was. And then he just breaks down after that. Yeah. Busted up. Yeah. 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 Dinah continuing to do her thing. She's a a counselor and a therapist, not only to our young heroes, but even as someone um, as experienced as Zatara. Yeah. 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 And not only the young heroes, that was an amazing little nod of her being the counselor for these people for the last 10 years she knew so much and just kept her mouth shut but that the little girl's gonna be an engineer and build stronger bridges because the bus was on a bridge that was failing like the dude is still a bus the dude's still a bus driver yeah it's just those little things that they sprinkle in that they never needed to do and dinah just being amazing I have to imagine whatever bridges Penny goes on to construct are going to include emergency bathrooms somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised you didn't try to use the bathroom at the shelter like you waited to be back on a bridge. Yeah. I I just, it was kind of funny to me that she was just like, I have to go to the bathroom so bad. And then Zatanna's answer was, we're going to get you back to your normal time. I promise. Well, that doesn't solve the issue that I'm experiencing right now. There's some weird reverse butterfly effect. You can't use the bathroom in the future. It just doesn't work. Uh, oh, goodness. Um, yeah, all right. So I resisted the urge to segue to flaw, but let's go ahead and talk about that now. With Mary, again, demonstrating her hunger for power and her willingness to hurt others to um, make ends meet or you know reach a certain goal. I thought I was going to be right on the money with what I predicted last week. I thought Mary was going to potentially be the first one to do any damage to Flaw, but I'm glad I was wrong and I'm glad it ended up being Tracy. And as TJ pointed out, it's the fact that she was kind of told not to embrace these bad luck powers. I knew 
it was going to have to do something with that crack, but it seems like it was just right there. You know, it's bad luck to step on a crack and I guess normally you make your, you break your mother's back, but in this case, the crack that would have been a very interesting way to do it. Just have her <laughs> rhyme it and child's back. Just <laughs> Ooh, God. yeah, that would have been cool. Yeah. I mean, that would have been her mother. Flaws. Yeah. Mo- it's mother. It's mother. Yeah. Let's go with it. Let's say yeah. I loved seeing 13 be helpful. And, and mm. I don't, I mean this in the nicest way. She didn't really do anything in the rest of the arc. So giving her this moment of triumph was I was on board with her as a character. Everyone else I had good feelings about. She was kind of neutral until now. I I meant to say this when you were asking the question about 16. I do have something fascinating for numbers with you. 13 got to be the hero on episode 13. Yay. There we go. Yeah, it all comes full circle. I'm not always disappointing. <laughs> no, you're never disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, and I feel kind of bad. This was actually the first time I noticed that she has an odd number of freckles. She has two freckles on one side and three freckles on the other. Huh? Yeah. I feel like I noticed it. Just didn't think anything. I think it. I just assumed character drawing. Like yeah, it's yeah. a nice touch of doing something like that. But yeah, well, I want to know how she met Leroy now. Oh, yeah. yeah that tease. <laughs> Yeah, a little flick on the nose when she was like out of it, just like tails whipper. <laughs> She's like, "Oh yeah, you're right. I'm good." <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean the the way that Mary got her pushback was unconventional, but it was pretty cool because like even Fate was struggling. Fate and Clarion together were struggling, and she was just like, "Let me just suck the life out of everything just to push this dude back." I was like. The fact she could suck it out of everything in the surrounding area that we were seeing animals and trees like and in the extended version of rock paper scissors we know that rock beats magic (laughs) that's right because I had their like big Kamehameha battle and he was like rock (laughs) knocked her out (laughs) I did uh, really appreciate like we've talked about how much we've kind of loved to hate child in this arc but when she kind of lost it after that right before uh 13 had that great moment and she had kind of that like red vein going across her forehead and she was just so gleeful with destructive power there was a moment where it like zoomed in on her face and you just like got her eyes glowing with this big grin and the facial details were done just so well and you got these little micro expressions while she was smiling it really reminded me of like some of the more highly detailed animes and stuff like that and uh Mm -hmm. just really nice to see them kind of embrace slightly different visual styles especially when you have a character that is capable of of you know otherworldly destruction and and showcasing of powers like that it was really stood out to me and i you you called out you phantom strangers voice actor there but I've, i've been consistently calling out erica ishii for the just awesome job she did just broadcasting that utter glee it goes it works perfectly in tandem with someone like clarion so thomas adcox has been uh killing it the entire time he has been doing that voice so i I just really appreciated it oh yeah they were all fantastic do you happen to know who the voiced actor for tikal is because i found this one out during the episode as well lay it on me is it the same one as clarion no it is not um oh because it sounded is, very similar it did sound very similar you can take a guess jay scott is it fred tatasciur it is not okay it is uh the lovely d bradley baker oh 
thought you were gonna say Alan Tudyk. He likes his animals. Like no, that. he does like his animals. Uh, <laughs> I just, I just thought he also deserved the credit where credit is due for never surprising how many voices he can do. Um, yeah. What else has he done for the guy who doesn't know names? Oh, come on, man! Bad Batch. Oh, yeah, he is all of the stormtroopers in Star Wars: The Clone War or Star Wars: oh, right. Clone gotcha, Troopers gotcha. in Star Wars: The Clone Wars and Bad Batch. But uh, notably for animals, he is Appa and Momo in Avatar: The Last Airbender. That I did oh, not wonderful. know. Yes, that is that is why I found it funny that he was doing uh, Tikal because he's also a creature voice actor besides doing a great job with clones. Yeah. Just another shout out for D. Bradley Baker. If you want to just get an idea of how uh, varied his performances are, he also uh, stars on American Dad as Klaus, the goldfish yes. with the human conscience. So, I love American Dad. Maybe we'll come up with an excuse to cover it in some fashion. <laughs> uh, I sound like I'm alone there. Whatever. <laughs> no, I was I was just thinking of uh, Mama and Appa squaring off. Oh. <laughs> Oh. D. Bradley Baker in a booth by himself growling <laughs> back and forth. No, they actually had dialogue in that one when oh, um, when they were the when they were tripping. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Cactus juice. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's a great it's episode. the quenchiest. <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, while we're still covering. Sentinels of Magic battle there. Another call out I've got is when Zatanna was actually telling Mary that she wasn't going to be able to take part in the rotating um, holders of the helmet there. When he was talking about Dr. Fate or, or Nebu, or excuse me, she was talking about Dr. Fate Nebu and talking about how you're too much like him. That's why you can't be a part of this. It's kind of a curse. Before I I came to the conclusion that they were talking about sharing the helmet of Dr. Fate, I actually thought she was talking about Black Adam for a second. I was wondering, we've been assuming that she's connected to Shazam this entire time, but I know that Shazam and Black Adam actually share the same power source. So what if she was referring to Black Adam? And it turns out that's not the case, but it could have been a nice nod. <laughs> that's interesting because I had no idea that she was referring to Nebu the whole time. I was kind of waiting for you guys to tell me who the he that she was too similar was so i was wondering if it was black adam or shazam or okay. someone along those lines but i figured it was uh especially when he came up I was like who are you talking about <laughs> nobody and we've only seen the black adam once True. it was part of the injustice league for that one episode in season one yeah yeah well, we haven't really i mean aside from joker being pissed off that one episode that they were just a decoy we haven't really heard much about them since then. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, I suppose before we move on to the revelations with Connor there in terms of how Zatanna and the rest are involved there. Um, I did, I mean, I feel kind of bad that we haven't mentioned the fact that we got the revelation that Khalid is actually related to Kent Nelson. That was a, a big shock to me. Did he not mention his uncle before? I couldn't remember, but I was extremely taken aback when I heard that during the episode. Yeah, I think it was a trial episode where he talked about his family having or, magical connections. I remember him talking about his family having magical connections and his uncle specifically, but I did I don't remember them showing Kent Nelson at that point in time. Oh, okay. So it did come as a, a bit of a surprise to me, but maybe I didn't pay close enough attention there. 
yeah that's a, it's an interesting through line to say the least that they would both take the helm and i actually as i say that i wonder we've seen as you compared it to avatar the last airbender zuhair the kind of lineage of who has had that inside the showings of the helm do you think his mm-hmm. uncle may be able to like talk to him and give him advice and maybe that's part of why he keeps the helmet on as long as he does because he he has the uh the spirits inside to kind of guide him and who's going to trust him more than his uncle i hope so i'm not sure about that because when there was a point where where kent nelson stayed back to keep nabu in check and then it got to the point where fate was like Kent Nelson's not here to protect you anymore. So I think there has to be like a willingness for a host spirit to stick around. I don't know, okay. because it seems like Nabu had the holdover in season one, like when Kid Flash put it on and then when Calder put it on, it was the like, we don't know if we can take this off. It seemed like they didn't have the strength to take it. off. They had Kent talking him out of it the whole time. Kent Nelson was the reason that Nabu took it off. That's why when Zatanna put it on for the third time, he was like, there's no one to protect you anymore. Like, I'm not giving up this body. And that's why they had to make that deal. Right. Interesting. And this right here, this conversation that we're having, is the only reason that I would say I'm a little upset with the arc structure this season. Because I don't know if we're going to get these resolutions of all these questions that we're talking about of what's going to happen further. Until we possibly get a season five in, you know, seven years. Uh, <laughs> Don't say that. I have plenty of plans to make sure that a season happens, Zuhair. Just you wait. <laughs> we'll cover that later. Yeah. Yep. All really good food for thought there. Um, I I think it, I kind of like that thought. Uh, maybe some of the points that have been brought up with do kind of uh argue against it but i think it would be really really endearing for both characters to get a little bit more from kent nelson as well to learn a little bit more about khalid and in terms of him keeping the helmet i i think you're right that would be a great avenue to achieve that why do you tell us what we already know (laughs) yeah yeah it was interesting that line was said more than once this season it's like we're talking to the audience. Just let us have the conversation, Nabu. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, quick religious thing. Sure. When uh, Khaled puts on the helmet, saying Bismillah is something that you say like when you first start something. So the fact that he did that before he put it on was a nice little touch. I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to ask you what that meant. So very good. Yep. Name of God. In the name of God. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. It's the uh, so Bismillahirrahmanirrahim is the first part of the Quran, and it's what people say like so like before you start driving, before you start eating, like just saying Bismillah is like the quick thing to just kind of it's a little blessing before you start something. Okay, very good. Thank you for that. We we should have said it at the beginning of this podcast episode, not not to be insulting or anything like that. Uh, nah. Okay, very good. Um, only other things I really have outside of you know whatever speculation we want to have about our post credit scenes and or um, the revelations with Connor is we got that term that Haley was so kind to call out last week. Prestidigitation. It's tough to say. Prestidigitation. 
Thank you. I don't know why I'm having <laughs> such a hard time with that one. I've because I've never used it before, probably. And then uh, I did have to appreciate the fact that uh, Garfield's favorite food is very specific: vegan Thai Chinese fusion. So I don't know if it's been brought up in this show specifically, but I do know it was a it was like the first episode of Teen Titans. They talk about that he is a vegetarian sure. because mm-hmm. he has been all of these animals before. Sure. Makes so I I think that I think they ever so slightly mentioned. It. I think you just said like vegetarian bro or something like that. Maybe. But. I just love that they decided to call it out like you said and make it so specific. Yeah. Yeah. Um on the ep- He's also a diva too, so the fact that he's getting this funky fusion just makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Now on the topic of prestidigitation last week, I was laughing to myself a little bit that uh none of you guys play Dungeons and Dragons, I can tell, because that is like a notable mage spell in the game. Like okay. when you Google the word, first thing that comes up is Dungeons and Dragons wiki. Like so th- okay. you guys were all sitting there like, what is this word? I'm like, why do they not know? hang on? Why does no one know? Oh, wait, I'm the nerd here. That <laughs> makes more sense. <laughs> I, yeah. Well don't don't try to take my nerd card too much. I have not ever played Dungeons no. and Dragons, but I've constantly been on the periphery of it uh maybe one day i'll I'll take that plunge it seems like a lot of fun i haven't played it for the sake of the group because i'm never in one spot for too long i never know what my weekends are Mm -hmm. so i never want to commit to it and then just be like hey you guys have to hold off because i can't play this week so it's it's for the better of everything (laughs) that i don't (laughs) it's amazing i get podcasting done I was just about to joke and say that it seems like we might have a new idea for the network here. We very well (laughs) may could, yeah. Uh, We've had a lot of fun, eh, a lot of pun, a lot of fun playing code names online, but maybe there's an opportunity to get a uh, role-playing game going. I was actually even thinking, what if we did like, obviously we don't have the rights to it or anything like that, but just for fun, we could do like a role-playing game set in the Young Justice or just the DC animated world if we wanted to. I'll get right on that. I'm sure it exists somewhere, and if not, I'll get writing. (laughs) I'll get drawing. Love it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Well, I don't know if I really have too much else to say about the episode. I mean, I've I've kind of been alluding to the revelations with Connor there at the end, as well as, uh, you know, the closing scene with Mary. But I do feel like we, we already kind of discussed those pretty thoroughly. So I'll open up the floor to you gentlemen, if there are more um, things you want to bring up in uh, either of those realms or something else I haven't mentioned. Now, after my realization about the phantom zone, all of my other thoughts of what could have been going on with Connor kind of went out the window because sure. yeah. this whole season, I was assuming it had something to do with the time travel or something right. along those lines was how he was going to be saved because I was fully in denial. And there was even that line early on that, you know, we came back specifically for one thing it wasn't to save Garfield. So it's like, oh, okay, they came back to save Connor then. That must have been what they came back for. So the fact that they might not have been it, I'm even more confused now, but I'm excited for what's to come in the future. Uh, for me, it's just that when I watch something for the first time, if it's in English, I refuse to have closed captions because I don't like reading dialogue before the delivery comes in. I feel like that just that ruins like the intensity of a line. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that took away my curiosity of whose voice that was talking to Mary. I did not know it was Granny Goodness. You guys seem to figure that out. Um, so now I'm just hoping that she doesn't come back as a bad guy. And if she does, it doesn't stay for too long. I'm kind of worried about her and where her storyline's going to go. But uh, see, we shall. Yeah. 
I, I said I had nothing else to say, but after you two made those points, I, I realized I do have a couple more things to say. So, uh, Andrew, you brought up the fact that we got in the previous episode that flashback to Apocalypse one year later where we had that character that I speculated was probably Big Bartha. But with talking about Mary and the fact that she be, could become a female fury and the fact that it was Granny Goodness talking to her, I'm wondering if I'd have to look at the face again, but maybe that is a future version of Mary potentially. Uh, and that then could be. Yeah, possibly, possibly. And then on the other side of things with Connor... Um, there, somewhere in the back of my mind, I didn't really think he was dead because, you know, we did not see a body. But the one scene that happened early on that kind of I, I don't have grievance with, but it just kind of seems weird backpedaling is that we had a very poignant conversation where Superman and Lois had to, you know, tell their son. They kind of had to help him deal with death. And it's like, hey, your uncle was here, but he's not here anymore. And just to kind of tackle that with such a deft tone and then to kind of backpedal from that. I mean, they, they probably won't even deal with it in terms of um, that little kid's perspective on it, but that was the one thing that was making me think that maybe there will be some level of finality to his departure, but who knows? I mean, maybe he will have to make a, a second sacrifice before the season's over. Yeah. I mean, it might not be the happiest of endings that we're looking for, but yeah. Uh, on the topic of Superboy, this might be a good time to transition into my thoughts about what the invitation for K. Yeah, yeah, what you got is. there? Yeah, um, because I I have three thoughts, and I went through and counted out my letters to make sure that I was at twenty six letters on all of my guesses here. Good man, good man. What you got? So I have invitation to kill a Superboy. Ooh, that fits perfectly. Uh, invitation to Con L of Krypton. Con L being Superboy's or one of Superboy's names in the comics, depending on whether he was a clone or whether or not he actually came from Krypton. Interesting. And then this last one is from way out in left field, but I'm holding out hope still. Uh, invitation to Coriander and Raven. Coriander being the name of Starfire from her actual home planet. Ah, wow. Hmm. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So I made all of those fit in the 26 letter count so those are my guesses that i'm going with i wanted to say it before we get to next season because all of the episode titles will probably come out at the beginning so we'll know what it is okay. i want to see how close i could get okay i've had a very productive break yeah yeah i'm impressed with the whole <laughs> yeah break up of the, of the remaining um letters to equal 26 as well and then i obviously have not done that because i'm just coming with this one off the top of my head but i'm kind of like kicking myself a little bit um i talked about maybe it's to candor but what if it's just to krypton or Kryptonian. I said that. Oh, you said that? Okay. Okay. And it's not 26 letters. I tried all the ways okay. that I could to get it stretched out. That's the only reason it's not on my list. <laughs> okay. Okay. Very good. Well, uh, I, I really like the, the one to kill a Superboy. That's like, that's very, very good. But uh, yeah, Coriander and Raven would be pretty sweet too, given the speculation we've we've had regarding those characters. And we have multiple pieces of feedback asking about them specifically. So very well could be fun fun indeed well uh thank you gentlemen for joining me for the 50th episode of animation deliberation as well as the final episode of animation deliberation for the year 2021 i will uh give you the opportunity to let the people know what you've got going on well i'll uh talk a little bit more about the instagram i know i did at the top 
uh, I love hearing the feedback and everything, and I've gotten a great time interacting with you guys. This is the only time I will actually beg you guys to do something. This is a little bit of a call <laughs> to arms to all of our animation enthusiasts, as I have been referring to you as. Uh, I just put up a post earlier today uh, just talking about the fact that we do not have confirmation of Young Justice coming back for another season. The writers and directors have said it's in the cards, but Warner Brothers needs to see that we have enough support. So a bunch of content creators on Instagram uh, said, well, on 1230 at noon, everyone post hashtag Renew Young Justice. And uh, I put out a post doing exactly that, putting out hashtag Renew Young Justice and tagging HBO Max and Warner Brothers TV. Honestly, this is the only time, like I said, I'll beg you guys, if you could just like that post and then put in the comments, hashtag Renew Young Justice, and then if you're comfortable, repost it or post it anywhere else. Better late than never, but the best thing we can do is just let HBO know we want this show to keep coming back. I mean, we're all excited for it, obviously, and I think this is a great way to kind of use the platform that we're on. And then besides that, just keep following the Instagram because I'm having a lot of fun out there. I promise I'm not taking it too seriously. So you probably will see some more <laughs> memes and other things like that. I know I've yeah. gotten a laugh out of these guys. Um, but yeah, it's a fun way for me to interact when I'm not uh, out here giving my voice. Yeah, I think that's a, a great call to action for everybody out there. I will certainly do so. Hashtag Renew Young Justice. Um, I will say not to take away from the urgency there at all, but one thing that kind of bodes well for me is when I first got HBO Max and started watching Young Justice, uh, Zuhair knows I had a lot of difficulty streaming sometimes uh, because of the servers. And when I contacted HBO Max, they actually told me Young Justice is one of the most popular shows on the streaming service. So that's why the servers tend to get bogged down there more. So uh, there is a lot of interest in the show, but do not rest on your laurels. Make sure you participate in that campaign and uh, use that hashtag, young, uh, hashtag Renew Young Justice. Yeah, I mean, the show's been know. canceled twice. So <laughs> at this point, let's just keep letting them know that we want more because these writers, they know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt about that. Zuhair, what you got? Um, you know, we've been doing our weekly coverage of Young Justice. If you still want to follow a show with us every week, Demon Slayer is up next. Uh, we're going to do a, a clunk of episodes just to get caught up because they are one, two, three episodes and four episodes in four. Uh, so we'll probably do game. like we're probably we did Mookie Train already. Well, the pre we'll probably do. Train. Yeah, so we'll <laughs> probably do one for episode one because it was like damn near an hour and then. Uh, just the two or three episodes to get caught up. And then every week we'll be providing that. So uh, if there's anything else that you like really, 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 really want to see, make sure you do the prompt so that we know like what everyone is interested in and that we can get organized and tackle it for you guys. Yeah. Um, with that in mind, I will take my time just to plug another one of the shows on the stranded Panda network. There's obviously no lack of animated content out there. Uh, but one of the shows that we did have some interest in from our listener uh, base was Star Trek Prodigy. And I know the fellas at the Star Trek Universe podcast have been covering that one. So make sure you uh, give them a listen there. And if you if there's a strong enough uh, interest for our fan base, we will, you know, maybe bring Matt, uh, Matt Carroll from that podcast to uh, let us know what his thoughts were. That's all I got. So again, thanks to everybody for making the show such a success. It's a, a real honor and a privilege to have made it to 50 episodes. So thank you all so much for tuning in. That's T-O-O-N-I-N. Look at my message. Oh, 
and tune in next year. That's T-O-O-N. Next year. Stay whelmed. <laughs> See you later, avocados. <laughs> Good stuff. Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandedpanda.com or join the great community that is the Stranded Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. You're invited to explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and float along the rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. Plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi, wanderers welcome. There's a highway that stretches across the 93 days of summer where worship isn't offered to the sun, but to the smoking tire, the S-curve, and the spin turn. And if you ride it, Make sure you do it in a Dodge Charger, Challenger, or Durango. Because on this highway, the lines being blurred are the ones between drivers and demons. Welcome to Highway 93. Dodge is a registered trademark. Right here in your neighborhood. Here's a little tale about hard-to-recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things with a program that complements your regular recycling. plastics can be so much more. Give the trash a second chance it was hoping hard-to-recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag program happening in your neighborhood today. You're invited to explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and float along the rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. Plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi, wanderers welcome. There's a highway that stretches across the 93 days of summer where worship isn't offered to the sun, but to the smoking tire, the S-curve, and the spin turn. And if you ride it, make sure you do it in a Dodge Charger, Challenger, or Durango. Because on this highway, the lines being blurred are the ones between drivers and demons. Welcome to Highway 93. Dodge is a registered trademark.